This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Welcome into episode number 106 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Noah Grant, myself, along with my co-host Nick Maxson. Nick, pleasure to have you on, as always, and pleasure to have all of our listeners in kind of what was a back-to-back episode from 105 to 106. A lot of great things going on for the Huskies Warming House podcast. A lot of things that we're going to discuss still related to the college hockey world mostly. Uh, Going to talk a little bit, uh, obviously, about some awards and some nominations that are coming up for Hobie Baker, the Richter Award, and a lot of other things going on in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup, as well as a St. Cloud deep dive. What does the offseason hold for them? What does the latest transfer portal mean? Everything related to St. Cloud State Hockey. And, of course, a little bit more of a deep dive into the Minnesota Wild. We're starting to transition gears out of college hockey slowly after next weekend into the NHL. And, hey, We have a very exciting team down in St. Paul that we get to watch. So without further ado, we will start with Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Illustrated Weekly around of Noah, and as you mentioned, it's about the College Hockey Awards. And guess what? For the Hobie Hat Trick finalists, there were three left, as the hat trick would impose, right? Um, it is Bobby Brink of Denver, Dryden McKay of Minnesota State, as well as Ben Myers of the University of Minnesota. They are the three finalists. Uh, how about this? Let's just break each one down just a little bit. Bobby Brink, again, second-round pick of the Flyers back in 2019 in his junior season, again with Denver, uh, 42 assists. Uh, that led the nation uh, this past season, 56 points on the year. Uh, how about this, Noah? 1.44 points per game. Uh, also best in the nation. I mean, average, I guess, but, you know, <laughs> pretty good. Um, yeah. Especially after a, a kind of a very down sophomore season for Bobby. There were a lot of question marks for not only him, but the entire Denver squad um, heading into the season. I think they've answered a lot of those questions over the past few months. Um, but a name that we've talked about not only here, but also on MNCAA. Um, how about Dryden McKay of the Maverick goaltender? 41 games this season, a 934 save percentage, 1.28 goals against average, 37 wins. Um, NCAA record, by the way, that's just insane, um, is the only finalist to have been a finalist last season. So returning back to the Holby Hattrick, I would be shocked if he doesn't get at least one of two awards. Uh, again, the other award that he should have this year is the Mike Richter, which is given out to the most outstanding college netminder. Um, if he doesn't get this, um, he should get the Richter. And well, um, tell me why it would be Justin Close. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I mean, but seriously, uh, all things he should at least bring home some hotter uh, this year. He's having a phenomenal year and really putting a stamp on his college career. It'd be really good to see him win a national championship. I think if he does do that, that might could he could he win two Noah I mean seriously well I'm asking you could he win two yeah I mean I don't know I I gotta be honest when it comes to uh the Hobie Baker conversation and we'll get into our our third guy Ben Myers who's kind of essentially to break it down he's had a lot of eyes on him but really from the Minnesota Wild uh 14 goals 24 assists 33 games uh led the Gophers to a big 10 regular season title um I got to be honest, uh, the Hobie Baker conversation to me, I think it's no contest. And I think it's Bobby Brick. He's just oh. been, he's just been that good. I mean, 
56 points, leading the nation. 42 assists, leads the nation. 1.44 points per game, leads the nation. It's just hard for a goaltender, I think, to get that award. I think when it you is. have someone who's yep. as offensively dynamic as Bobby Brink has been this season, and that's no offense to Ben Myers, has had a hell of a year as well in Minnesota. Um, I just think he's kind of the guy that's probably going to run away with this one, to be honest. Now, Dryden McKay's had a heck of a year, but like you kind of alluded to, I'd be more shocked to see him not win something uh, when it comes to that. Yes. I think that's that's a fair conversation to say. So, But last year, uh, Cole Caulfield, Montreal, uh, winning the Hobie Baker last year, and I'd say it panned out pretty well for him. So should Bobby Brink win it, the Philadelphia Flyers really uh, have a great prospect to potentially build around uh, there in the city of brotherly love. Last goaltender, because uh, you love to give me trivia question. Do you know who the last goaltender there was to win a Hobie Baker award? Oh, gosh. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Connor Hellebuck, maybe? It was not Connor Hellebuck. We have to go all the way back to 2001. That's Ryan Miller. Oh, my God. Uh, Michigan <laughs> State. Uh, yeah, that's a while. So, as you mentioned, very <laughs> tough for a goaltender to win the award. And, again, it's it, there's definitely a, a bias for offense um yeah. uh even even when kale mccarr ran i mean i think the, again the offensive skill there was a, a big reason why uh, he mentioned a cole caulfield by the way was last year's winner um has had a pretty good rookie season still technically yeah. in the nhl um we talked about the mike richter word um along with mckay's it's devin levi of northeastern and also yaniv peretz of quinnipiac are the final three and that one again i i know a lot of folks um, looked at Devin Levi's numbers are a little bit better, more shots against. Ugh. Oh boy. This I, one's I hard. This one's tough. Yeah. Um, just because, I mean, to me, I don't, I don't think Yanni Peretz is, is in the yeah. same level as the other two. I could see it going either way. And let's just say this, the East coast will erupt if McKay gets it and the entire Midwest and West coast will pretty much destroy the East. If, if Levi gets yeah. it. So it's, it's, I, I it's tough. I didn't know that Peretz and Levi are actually from the same exact town in Quebec. I did yeah. not know that. Um, kind of crazy though, right? ECAC goalie of the year for Peretz, uh, a 0.96 GAA. Of course, the ECAC is not very strong, but 11 shutouts for Still him. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you know, but um, and then Devin Levi, it's really his first true season. He's a sophomore, but he didn't really, he didn't play last year. So technically this right. is his first actual action. 10 shutouts, 1.52 GAA, 9.52 save percentage before regional play. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Dryden McKay, as we kind of mentioned, uh, has some pretty stellar numbers in that conversation as well. But um, last year's winner, Jack LaFontaine, Ken, or Ken Dryden, uh, Dryden McKay, we'll, <laughs> we'll know that all too well. Yeah, Ken Dryden did not win, did not win the Richter. But you know, you know I, I, it should be me that's, you know, making a Ken Dryden reference. Since apparently I was alive to see it, but I guess. Yeah, ahead. you know, here's the thing. And I know people are going to get mad at me when I say this, but if they would have made the correct decision and picked Dryden McKay last year. We would not have an issue about Devin Levi winning it this year. Correct. Really? I mean, like correct. it goes because last year I don't think was close. And I think people were kind of surprised. Jack LaFontaine had a good year, but I think Dryden McKay was still head and shoulders above the field there. It's a little bit tighter this year. I still think Dryden has the advantage but Devin Levi did, did have a great season. And the one thing that he does have backing for is that Northeastern is not a good hockey team. So he does have to do a little bit more of the workload in terms of that. But Hockey East and the East Coast, not as strong uh, as some of the teams that Mankato ended up playing over the season as well, too. I think Dryden McKay takes this one. Um, I, I, I would be shocked to see him not get it unless he ends up winning, like you said, the Hobie. Um, and then they give the other one to Devin Levi. But um yeah, it's kind of an interesting conversation. I Before you announce when the awards uh, are going to be out, Nick, when is the last time a goaltender from Northeastern won the Mike Richter Award? Oh, that's going to be not that far away. And mind you, when you say not far away, that in my terms, that's completely <laughs> different. Um, oh, geez. 2011, 2012? 2019. Oh, so not even that close. Caden okay. Primo, 2019. All uh, right. I should have known that. A couple, couple of names you might recognize on this list. Uh, of course, last year, Jack LaFontaine. 2020, yep. Jeremy Swayman of Maine. Yep, Maine. I ended up playing for the Bruins. Uh, 2016, Thatcher Demko, BC. BC, yeah. Um, 2015 was Zane McIntyre from North Dakota. And 2014 was Connor Hellebuck Connor for UMass Hellebuck. Lowell. Yep. So uh, kind of some interesting uh, tidbits there. But yeah, I... 
I don't know what your thoughts are, who you think is going to take each award, but it's going to be really interesting and I'm excited. Uh, again, Brink to me, it has a bit of an edge. Uh, and again, I, to me, it should be Dryden McKay. Um, even though I think Devin Levi is going to get plenty of attention, it's going to be close. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, uh, pretty nuts. Um, so as far as when these awards are announced, right? So the Mike Richter award um, and the Hobie Baker award winner on Friday, April 8th. So that is the in-between day of the national semifinals and the national championship game on Saturday, April 9th. Um, so that's when those awards get out. Um, and to kind of round up some college hockey news, how about some signings? How about some PTOs, that kind of stuff, right? Um, speaking of uh, out East and, and a team the Huskies faced last year, the national champion, how about Bobby Trevino, uh, the UMass captain going to the Rangers? Um, great signing there. I think he's kind of a more of a grittier player. I don't think he'll be as prolific as a scorer. I think he was in college, but I think he's, he's definitely got the right toolbox to play in the NHL. Uh, Northeastern's Jordan Harris also making his debut with Montreal. Uh, Nick Purvis, again, for a St. Cloud signing his entry-level deal. I believe it was a one-year deal uh, with Tampa. And then, of course, uh, a couple more Huskies. Kevin Fitzgerald, Seamus Donahue going to the ECHL, the South Carolina Stingrays. Um, and also just this afternoon, Easton Brodzinski, a PTO with the Hartford Wolfpack. That's the minor league affiliate of the New York Rangers. Um, so he will finish off the remainder of the season there. Uh, just on a PTO, not an actual longer than that contract. Yeah, kind of interesting. We'll have to see. Obviously, how that pans out for him. I guess they're going to um, evaluate his penalties, right? Obviously. Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. That'll right? be one thing. So <laughs> <laughs> We'll obviously keep an eye on it, as always. Final topics here in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Let's start with Minnesota in the NHL. Uh, the Wild inking 36-year-old defenseman Alex, Gos- Alex Goligoski to a two-year deal worth $2 million annually. Nick Maxson was on the wrong side of that particular deal. Yep. <laughs> in our last show. That's tough. Uh, 28 points on the year. It's interesting. Stellar underlying numbers on the offensive side. He's in the 90th percentile for offense among defensemen, but his defense is in the 27th percentile. So he's at like 77 or something like that is his overall score or whatever. Um, the wild now have $8 million in cap space next year. Kevin Fiala, Jake Middleton, RFAs to be signed next year. And then Mark Andre Fleury, the only UFA on this roster, but uh, Nick, we're going to talk about this deal a little bit, a little bit more. So I don't want to break it down too much, but uh, um, yeah, we'll just leave it. We'll just leave it. Um, I, I think we'll kind of talk about it a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, milestone news. Uh, two that have happened in the last couple of days. First, a uh, pretty common one, which is weird to say in the NHL, but uh, Austin Matthews, first player in the National Hockey League this year to hit 50 goals on Thursday. First time in his career as well. So yeah, he is only the fourth Maple Leaf to hit the mark um, and the first to do it since what year? Oh, it's been a while. Uh, yes, it has. 56? Okay, not that far. <laughs> I thought it was in the 50s or 60s. Uh, let's try 1994. Uh, you were alive. Um, I was, was not. I was um, not paid attention as much, though, at that time. But Yeah, Dave Andrechuk, uh was the last one in 1994. Yeah, Andrechuk got 15 away. Yeah. Huh. I guess um, that tells you how much I was paying attention to Toronto back in the day. <laughs> Rick, Rick Vive, uh, three times he did it for Montreal, and uh, Gary Lehman are the others uh, for the Maple Leafs to, to pull that off. Uh, the next closest to the mark of 50 goals in the current NHL season is Leon Dreisaitl. Uh He was at 49 goals entering play on Friday. I have not checked the scores for the Edmonton Oilers to see if he got that one as well. Of course, another milestone, very close. Uh, the Wild playing Carolina tonight. Kirill Kaprizov tied for the franchise record for most points. How about that, man? 65 games played, 83 points. I think that's shocking, but this one blows my mind even more. Florida. Jonathan Huberto, single season record for most assists by an NHL winger in a single season, 71 apples, man. Unbelievable. Passing former Bruins winger Joe Juno uh, for that record. Think about that. Kirill Kaprizov has 83 points. Jonathan Huberto has 71 71 assists. Assists. Unbelievable. That's that's insane, actually. And and it's it's funny because you – you talk about the, the the trade for Claude Giroux and then Owen and Owen Tippett, right? A big discussion point with Owen Tippett was, you know, oh, he, he didn't get much ice time. No, they actually put him on a line with Huberdeau. Yeah. Uh, just because, again, he's been the best setup man in the NHL. And if you still cannot pot one with one of the best setup men in the league, uh, it's not not your ice time. It's not who you're playing with. You just can't finish putting the puck in the net. So. You, know, you know what's wild to think? Jonathan Huberdeau. 
I and I, and I, I don't know what the record is. I'm sure plenty of people have done it, especially back in the day. Jonathan Huberto could be an assist per game player, not a point per game player, an assist, assist, assist per, game. per game player. That is insane to me. Uh, next closest to the National Hockey League uh, is 62 assists this year. Um, this current player sits at six all time. Any idea who it is? Can you give me Eastern Western Conference? Hint? Eastern Conference. Ooh. Metropolitan, I believe. Backstrom? Uh, Artemi Panarin. Panarin. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, that makes the sense. Brad, the yeah. Brad man, 62 yeah. assists on the year. He sits sixth all time. Uh, like I said, 62 assists. Fifth place is 66, so he could easily move into fifth. Fourth is 67. Uh, third is 69, and second is 70. So if Panarin goes on a run here, he could climb all the way up to second if he really uh, had an opportunity to as well. Lastly, Injury news around the National Hockey League. Uh, Toronto's Peter Morazic once again hurt out for six weeks. Uh, more with a groin injury. Jeez. Just a, a mess in terms of that. Uh, Carolina's Jasper Kotkaniemi. Um, it's a lower body injury, not a midsection injury this week. Uh, late hit off of Washington's Lars Eller. And uh, lastly, if you didn't get a chance to see this one, go look it up uh, and then cringe if you can. Arizona's Clayton Keller missing four to six months with a yeah. fractured leg that Ugh. required surgery. So yeah, Ugh. very, very that tough one. Nasty. Yeah. That's a tough one to watch. Uh, but Hey, if you're watching us here on the YouTube page, or listening to us on the Huskies warming house. That will do it for the center. view news and notes. Huskies illustrated weekly roundup. We will send it on to the main portion of the show. And welcome in to the Huskies Warming House Podcast, episode number 106. Once again, if you didn't remember before, and if you haven't joined us ever, well, Nick Maxson is joining myself, Noah Grant. We're happy to have you along here on this Saturday, April 2nd. You'll hear this episode coming out on Sunday, but uh, we're recording this on Saturday night. So if you're wondering, hey, why haven't you talked about how Kirill Kaprizov broke the record in the Carolina game? Well, because you know, I don't have a crystal ball. Yeah, I can't um, predict the future. Can we can we try that though? Do you do you believe Kirill Kaprizov breaks the record tonight? In Carolina tonight, yes. I, I will say so. I will say an assist first and then a goal. Yeah, I'm gonna go with an assist as well, too. Um speaking of other things that uh, normally happen on Saturdays, uh, two line fan trivia did not happen this week because I was at a rec tournament. That was a good time uh and a half, but I wasn't able to obviously answer the trivia question this week. So we are extending two line fan trivia back one more week. So April 23rd is the last date. Three opportunities left to win a hat from us here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Speaking of other dates, we'll probably touch on this again in the show, but we will give you hopefully an update on when the next show will be recorded and released as well. We kind of have an interesting schedule coming out this upcoming week, so we'll kind of keep you involved in that as well. One team that we are not covering, unfortunately, uh, for their regular season and playoffs as it is done is the St. Cloud State Huskies men's hockey team. Let's do a let's do a deep dive into this group here, Nick. Uh, sure. A lot of news coming out uh, for this team. Like you mentioned in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup, Kevin Fitzgerald, Seamus Donahue, after their fifth years uh, signing with the South Carolina Stingrays in the ECHL, wishing them the best of luck, obviously. Easton Bronsinski, professional tryout offer for the Hartford Wolfpack. St. Cloud's Nick Perbix signing an entry-level deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning, foregoing his fifth-year eligibility option. And then, of course, David Rennick after his final fifth year for the Huskies, signing his contract with the Los Angeles Kings. So wishing all of those guys best of luck uh, in their next step of their uh, careers. As far as the current team here for St. Cloud, uh, as far as my math is concerned, uh, three players entering the transfer portal. That would be Thomas Rocco, netminder Joey Lamaru, and uh, forward uh, Jack Johnson. So two forwards and a goaltender entering that. That leaves seven current forwards that are sure to return unless something crazy happens, four defensemen that are sure to return, and one goaltender. So from the back end up, Jackson Castor is the lone goaltender set to return. Uh, Brady Zemer, Andre Trayball, Josh Lidke, and Jack Peart, four defensemen set to return. On the forward side, Ryan Rosborough, Yami Kranula, Zach Okabe, Mason Salkwis, Joey Molinar, Chase Brand, and Vietti Mietnin are the seven forwards that are slated to return for sure. Three forwards potentially could return. Aiden Spellacy, Micah Miller, Nolan Walker all have a fifth-year eligibility, as do two defensemen, Spencer Meyer, who was the captain for a couple years in this team, and Brendan Bushy. I do want to clarify uh, Brendan Bushy has stated in a podcast back, uh, I believe in December, episode 47 of On the Pond, that he plans to try to use his fifth year to play with his younger brother, Evan, that is uh, potentially getting ready to, to join the college hockey world. 
Um, let's start there. Why don't we? Let's just start sure. with Brendan Bushy and the guys that might have a chance to return. We touched on this a little bit. We kind of believe that Micah Miller was maybe the best guy that was probably going to have the biggest chance to probably return here. Um, Brendan Bushy enters the conversation. I think Spencer Meyer does too. No word on Nolan mm-hmm. Walker and Aiden Spellacy. I don't know if he's going to be back, but um, Brendan Bushy, just because uh, he says he wants to return, does that necessarily mean that he's going to be back? Uh, not necessarily. Um, we've had a history on this podcast with Kevin Fitzgerald. Um, yep. In fact, the opposite, right? He, he almost was telling us before, I believe this was just before the NCAA tournament started or it was NCHC playoffs. One of the two around this time last year, Noah, that uh, he was like, you know what? College hockey has been great. Um, I don't really think I, I'm going to play another year. Essentially going, you know what? Eh whatever right i'm I've, I've had my fun but it's time to move on kind of thing and then they go on a national championship run and all of a sudden he comes back and holy cow he was their leading goal scorer leading point getter uh yeah had a third, hell of a year third in points per game with a 0.97 clip like yeah, yeah. and uh ends up also now going to south carolina in the echl um to at least finish out this you know this year and you know um and i we, we talked to brett larson about this a little bit too um and his message was you know at least to me privately, um, you know, and it's not like an off the record conversation, but it goes, you know, the way that I handle these conversations to go, you only have one chance to play pro hockey in your life once. That's it. Um, You know, you can accounting will be there, real estate or whatever you're, you know, it's not taking anything away from those professions, but you know, I was, I was going to say in Kevin's case, his, his accounting route that he apparently was supposed to take this year looks kind of (laughs) funny. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's like, you know, go take the opportunity to play pro hockey. And and again, you know, for, for Donnie, who was also out there with him, if it only lasts, you know, these, however many games in the ECHL and, you know, that's it, at least just say you did it. Whereas, you know, the commitment level between the health and nutrition and whatnot is so much that, you know, once you get out of it, you're not getting back in it. So, um, great story for Kevin. Honestly, I couldn't feel better uh, about a better person on and off the ice. Honestly, Um, again, just a gem of a human being. Um, But going back to Bushy, you know, there's two, there's two sides of this, right? There is, you know, first of all, it's been now what, four months, three months. So has his opinion changed? Um, Has his outlook on his future changed? Right. We don't, we don't know. No, as we mentioned, right. Do we, do we often take, the little that we hear from players out there, especially at the college level, because these guys aren't really getting interviewed that much. Um, you know, we kind of take it as concrete and cement. That's not how these things go. Right. But the other thing, and you mentioned this Noah too, with that is Brett Larson and, and the team has to go. Well, if you do come back, this is the realistically where I have you in the lineup, yeah. or maybe you are sort of a rotating potential, like seventh D, which means you may not see all the ice time that you're looking for. Yeah. And that's about Luke Jaycox yeah, this last year, right? Th- those are real conversations. I want to give a prime example. And this is, this is no offense to the kid. I love him to death. Fantastic human being and hope he's doing well. That's exactly the conversation that Tyler Anderson had last year. Tyler wanted to come back this year and play for a fifth season. And Brett was kind of up front and saying, you know what? I don't think there's going to be a fit here for you. And now could Brendan come back? Potentially. Yeah, absolutely. There could be yeah. a fit there, but you know what? with the group coming in and I don't know too much about the freshman group right now, there might not be a fit. There might be a, a wave baby, so to speak, and seeing if they're, right. uh, you know, going to become in. So Brendan might want to come back, but the fit has to be there. The coaching staff has to believe that's there. When I look, you know, at the groups that we had mentioned between the forwards and the defensive core, I feel a little bit better. I think about the defensive core and where they're at right now, just because there's limited positions, Brady Zemer, Andre Trayball, Josh Litke, Jack Peart, chance for them to really grow and kind of step up and become those guys. You know, that's four bodies out of the six that you're going to put, or maybe seven in the lineup every night. So, you know, definitely makes an interesting conversation. Now, does Spencer Meyer return? Do both those guys right. return? Do you want that veteran leadership on the back end? I'm not particularly sure, you know, one way or the other. Um, you know, right. they've had great college hockey careers. Obviously, Spencer, a great leader on the back end as well, too. Um, I don't know. I don't have the answer to this one. And I don't think you do no. either, unfortunately, Nick. We it's, just don't. And, and we won't know for a while, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's, and again, let's just say that, you know, Bushy has it in his mind that, you know, because he was second and third pairing, sometimes yeah. was the seventh D rotating in. Um, let's just say, you know, Red Larson says something in the terms of, you know, I, I don't know because there will be, and that's the part with, you know, these open positions, right? Is there's nothing that's guaranteed 
at the college level either, right? So they could say, hey, Bushy, you know, you might be a second or third pairing defenseman. Let's say a couple of these young defensemen come in and actually just beat them out. Yeah. Right. So, then you know, yeah. then what? So there's, there's, there's no promises on anything. Um, and, and it's, and it's the right way it should be handled, you know, right. You have to yeah. earn your spot. And so does it mean, does it ultimately mean really it's up to Bushy? I suppose at the end of the day, it kind of does. Right. Uh, I think when, when you mentioned Tyler Anderson's situation, I think it's a much more unique situation just based on where the team was and where they were going. And again, not a very big class coming in. So I think there was a little bit more of a different conversation that happens rather. This is more of your, Re- a lot of turnover here. A lot yeah. of turnover, right. So there's yeah. there's a lot more uh, question marks and there are going to be answers um, that we will talk about. And again, a lot of these question marks, we won't really know um, until honestly, probably even November, right? When some of these kids get on the ice to play a few games and we just don't know how they're going to handle it. So yeah. And, um, and no yeah. idea, no idea. We're going to talk about the transfer port a little bit too. I mean, you know, the question mark is Brett Larson uh, and his coaching staff might not have the definitive answer on where they want to go, where they might have some guys in mind or have some thoughts in mind, and they're going to kind of transpire as the summer goes along. So there's a lot of things that obviously we have to pay attention to. Um, on the forward side, like I mentioned, Aiden Spellacy, I, I don't know that he returns. Uh, Micah Miller has a chance. Uh, I, I think uh, Nolan Walker haven't heard anything either way. Could kind of, I, I'm about, I'm about 40, 60 on him in terms of him returning, to be honest with you. I think he has a chance to play at the next level. The question is, is there a fit? Does he want to? A lot of things obviously related to that. The right. forward side, though, let's list them off again for you one more time. Ryan Rosborough, who pretty much had very limited action this season. Uh, he's entering his sophomore year. Yami Cranola, Zach Okabe, Mason Salquist, Joey Molinar, Chase Brand, Vietti Mietna, and Nick. I wonder if you notice the same trend that I do. What do you notice about this group that's missing? Anything? Size. Well, that. Uh, think more positionally. Center? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of an issue. <laughs> a little bit. Um, now, there are a few centers that are coming into this very, what could be a pretty large class coming into St. Cloud. But again, you know, between face-offs and defensive responsibilities, that's a position that is trial by fire, yeah. especially when you're making the jump. So, um, what and, that, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And there's something to be said for are you a third or fourth line center or are you a top line or second line center? And we Th- Those two positions are different. They're the same, but they're different. I wonder if you can elaborate that on me uh, for the fans. So, well, it's just like, you know, your first and second line wingers versus third and fourth line wingers, right? So, you know, when you're a first and second line center, you're there for possession. You're there for playmaking. You know, you're you're trying to set up your goal scorers. You're really trying to put points up on, on the score sheet, right? Whereas your bottom two, you really want to be two things. You want to be a face off maestro. One and number two, you got to be a defensive juggernaut. Um, that's essentially what it comes down to. So, um, yeah, I mean, you could argue from the true hockey purist that does it is it really different? No, but in terms of the way that you're kind of stacked on a line, is that you you kind of have these you know specific roles. And I mean, we talked about it all the season the. the where Mill Hammer was sorely missed was in between the dot um, and Jared Cockle, that bottom line. Um, it's not even really fair to call him a bottom line. Really. They, they had, they, they had a very important shutdown role and they executed it to a T and they were so important for the Huskies to go on that long run that they did. And truly for me all season, that was really the one thing they were missing um, in terms of really being a complete hockey team was that true shutdown fourth line that you could throw out. Didn't matter which zone for a face off or against some other people's top units and really just, you know, buy some time for your top guns to rest and also to really change the, the momentum of the tide of a hockey game. So, I mean, very, very specific roles. And that's kind of what you're expected in terms of those two different uh, groups, if you want to call it top six versus bottom six. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, one guy that might be able to fill that particular void, I'm just doing some math right now. Uh, Rosborough. Uh, actually, no, the other guy, uh, 53.4%, excuse me, 0.6%. I'm talking about Nolan Walker, Walker. in the, in the yep. face-off dot. You know, if he could have, if you could have him return, he might be someone that makes a difference. Ryan Rosborough, you know, does he have that face-off capability? Will, be, will he, he be a guy that slots in, in the bottom six that you feel, you know, maybe – maybe has a chance, you know, as Joey Molinar, somebody that you try to convert and continue to try to see if you can elevate that game too. There's a lot of things that are really up in the air for this Husky teams right now. Least of all is goaltending, right? Jackson Caster, yeah. the lone netminder that is set to return. A lot of discussions here, Nick, 
uh, before we get to the transfer portal about a particular player that I believe is getting ready to make his jump to the, to the next level. And that is Isaac Posh who yep. plays for the Sioux Falls Stampede. A lot of people are nervous about these underlying numbers. I want to clarify something very quickly here. Um, uh, so Sioux Falls, who is actually coached by former Minot Minotaro head coach, Marty Murray, and I've known Marty for a long time. Sioux Falls uh, really sucks this year. They are, they are last place in the USHL 16, 31 and three in 53 games played this season. Um, so Isaac Posh has played in 29 of those games has a three, five, five GAA and an eight, seven, eight save percentage. He's six, 19 and three on the season. You got to take it with a grain of salt. I think a three five five GAA and an eight seven eight save percentage is a lot different when you're talking about a basement dwelling team uh, in the USHL. Now, how does that translate? I'm not sure. Are are you as concerned as some of the listeners are about a young guy like this coming in with not so great numbers, even though he plays on a poor team? Do they have a case here, or do you feel like uh, maybe there is a chance for this kid to adjust and be just fine? Zero case. And here's why I say that Um, the junior game and the college game, two completely different animals. Number one, Uh, number two, we've said this on this podcast. We've said it on radio broadcasts that goaltending stats are team statistics. You know, there's a lot that can be influenced, um, you know, in terms of, you know, those numbers and more so with that kind of workload that you do. I mean, let's take Devin Levi and Dryden McKay, right? There's so much talked about how, uh, McKay only seen what 16 or 17 shots a game versus I think uh, Levi was averaging what in somewhere in the high 20s or low 30s something like that and so you, the argument's dead right there if we're already mm-hmm. having this conversation about two you know Mike Richter award finals and why the heck are we having the same you know sort of not conversation about uh, a guy that's played juniors and with a team that hasn't been great in front of him right so and the other part of it is you're making a jump from one level to another. We just simply don't know how he's going to be. Now, is there a concern? There's always concern. There's concern even about a couple of these snipers that the yeah. high skis have coming in that have 30 some odd goals, you know, one in the AJHL, uh, Ethan O'Coin, I think is one of them. You know, apparently, Jack- I, apparently I hear there's some concern about Jackson Caster too. Right. So, and then, <laughs> so- and, and then Jack Rogers out there playing with the Youngstown Phantoms too, also a, a 30 goal season for one of the, uh, you know, young people out there as well that the Huskies could bring in as early this year. You just don't know how that is going to translate to the college level until you get them into a hockey game. So, you know, it, I think it's just unfair to really be able to write these players off or more so even to like put pressure on some of these guys that have really good stats. We just don't know what they're really going to be like until they get in and play division one hockey. And part of it's the system, part of it's how quickly they assimilate. Uh, but they have to answer the questions themselves. We have zero, zero case to be trying to answer that for them uh, before they even step on the foot in division one ice. Yeah, definitely. Obviously you're going to have to find a third goaltender at some particular uh, point here, but let's talk about the transfer portal, Nick, right? Thomas sure. Rocco, Jack Johnston, Joey Lamoureux, all, all, uh, electing to go the transfer portal route. So um, first of all, I want to thank uh, Sid Wolf from the rink live from doing a fantastic job of putting together her spreadsheet that she had. She's done a really, really good, really great job of this. Um, and it's really nice work here. So as we looked at the previous conversation that we just had for the Huskies uh, and thanks to all the great information as well from our primetime reporter in Al Appleby, uh, you got Appleby. <laughs> impressive uh, unbelievable the reporting that he has done just one of the best of the game he's been around for 88 years and just amazing um right <laughs> <laughs> other than that uh as you kind of look at, at Sid's spreadsheet i know the first one that maybe jumps on the page should the huskies decide to kind of jump around in the transfer portal i think you're thinking more forward side i was looking for some centermen i think the first name that jumps out to me right away is obviously chase primo uh, from right. Nebraska, Omaha, 23 points in 30 games for him. Um, like she says, cons- consistently a 20 point per year forward, uh, six foot three, 185. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I think would be a really good fit on this Huskies team. Good veteran guy knows the NCHC well. Uh, a couple of other players, uh, that you kind of that you kind of take a look in. One, I one have pro- one, yeah. Uh, um, I'm gonna throw one out, one out here, and then I'll let you go. Uh, Austin Heideman. Uh, for Mercyhurst, 27 points in 38 games for him. He's only a sophomore uh, leading scorer uh, on the team for Mercyhurst. He's a Maple Grove, Minnesota product. Uh, I think a homecoming could potentially be uh, in the cards for something like that. Maybe he's a guy that the Huskies kind of take a look at, but uh, is there somebody that stands out for you, Nick? Yes. Uh, captain of a squad that just had a 
tumultuous season. How about Derek Dashke in the back end? Yeah. Um, holy cow. I mean, the guy's got size. He can skate really well. He's got good offensive instincts. Um, had the opportunity to interview him for media day this past uh, fall again. Just a phenomenal human being, too. Um, he's a guy that, you know, even when Miami, even here at home playing at, you know, at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center, I mean, they was not a great weekend for him. Let's just keep it at that. Um, he never really let the foot off the gas. He was their one consistent player that you could point to and say, man, yeah, you know, you look at the plus minus, look at the goals again, you know, whatever. He, he was still good. Um, and I think if, if you're trying to do a quick retool, right. And this even goes to, to Primo too, Noah, um, you have to sell them that this is a quick retool. Cause the other part of the conversation is, do they want to come here to St. Cloud? Yeah. You know, and, 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 it's, and it's kind of interesting. Another body that I had from Northeastern, Ty Jackson, of course, 20, 20 points in 28 games played. Only a sophomore. Uh, he's a centerman as well, but it's kind of been uh, listening that uh, uh, maybe ASU is kind of be the, the stopping point for him. The challenge here, uh, and especially, uh, again, you know, like I said, Sydney doing a great job here w- with this spreadsheet. The challenge here is trying to not only read through the numbers, read through does this player's game translate into St. Cloud State hockey? Does he want to play at St. Cloud State? Is there a fit? But also similar to the conversation we had uh, about the, the pairwise and the comparison there, East versus West, right? How do, how do you compare your Bentleys, your unions, your Canisius? How do you, how do you kind of take those with a grain of salt and be able to kind of formulate them into, you know, oh, this player has great stats, but do they translate? Do they translate to the Big Ten, to the NCHC, to some of these teams that have been kind of the powerhouse teams moving forward here? Um, so it's kind of interesting if you get a chance, uh, like I said, Sid Wolf um, uh, on Twitter did a great job uh, with the spreadsheet as well. Is there anybody else that you want to talk about on this list? Do you think that the Huskies in general are going to dip into the transfer portal this year? You're dumb if you don't. Honestly, Ooh, okay. and, and it's and it's well, so let's talk. Yeah, about it, right? yeah, Brett. So take that. Right. Well, <laughs> well, it's just again, like, you know, the the one time transfer rule now, and I know we're going to deep dive this in a little bit, but what it's done is, you know, it's kind of created this little like mini NHL free agency period. Yeah, I love this. And it's and it's great for two reasons. Yeah. One, um, if a player goes into a program and let's just say that they're sold on it, they get there and all of a sudden, whether it's a fit or let's just say, like, you're just not getting along with the coach, the players, and what you thought was a good fit ended up being not a good fit. You get one chance to correct itself, right, without having to sit out a year. Um, after that, you would have to sit out a year if you want to transfer again. So it's kind of the best of both worlds, in my opinion, Noah, where you give the player and the university some some flexibility to try to make sure it's, it's the right environment with the right people, and it goes both ways, right? Um, but... At the same time, what that means is if you're not looking for out there as a coaching staff of what's available, I mean, two years ago, again, Seamus Donahue, forget this last season, but, you know, the season previously, he fed into the system very, very well, um, as well as Jared Cockrell. They were key pieces to get the Huskies to the national championship game. Um, and then you talk about East versus West, Aiden Spelsey, um, you know, say what you want about him, but I think you could tell just by the, the way the lineups sort of evolved over the course of the fall and in the spring, you know, was that he kind of fell out of favor a little bit. And that's with any player, right? Especially the transfer portal is if you miss it's, it's, you can miss pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and it's not a correctable issue per se, you know, that's really good for either the squad or the player. So it's, it is, it is a risk uh, per se um, when you dive into the transfer portal, um, but again, I think if like any sports fans out there, if you rather have the Huskies go down swinging, I would rather than not dipping your feet into it all. Yeah. Wouldn't be shocked if they go for another goaltender. I know speaking yep. of Northeastern TJ Semptum Feller, um, Felter, excuse me, uh, a 934 and eight games for him. He's only a freshman, only played in eight games. So take that with a grain of salt with Northeastern's uh, particular schedule. Um, right. but he, he's six one one ninety, So maybe another body. The last one that I want to throw out here, uh, Notre Dame, Cam Burke. Uh, senior yeah. season, 19 points. He's a centerman, uh, Boxborough, Massachusetts native, not the biggest guy, 5'10, 176. Um, but you know, he, he was a guy that I kind of, kind of had on, on the list too, as I'd well. I'd like but, to pick too, honestly, because Notre Dame plays more of a defensive yeah. style and, uh, you want a centerman and, you know, obviously don't know the player super well, but I watched Notre Dame in person and, you know, they gave the goal for Spitz and that's kind of what the Huskies like to do defensively is give it, you know, their opposing team's fits. So he would, he might be the, one of the better 
paper fits, if you want to yeah. call it. Uh, to go especially over. if he's someone who's solid defensively and kind of is will hammer with a little bit of more pop offensively, uh, right. so to speak. Uh, kind of interesting in that regard. You know what's funny though, Nick? Somehow nobody's transferring away from North Dakota. I wonder why that is. Because <laughs> mm. the ones that are transferring away are transferring to either the NHL or the AHL. Yeah, I hear they have some decent facilities out there. They are, and the, the people they have coming <laughs> in, um, how about Jackson Blake? Um, uh, again, Minnesota high school hockey star playing juniors this year, and he's torn it up. Um, so they don't really have to. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you know, a team that um, for Brad Berry, one of the NCHC coach there, I think actually was well-deserved. Um, they're going to be back to being a very bloodthirsty club next year. They're going to be freaking good again. Um, yeah. I, minus goaltending because you're gonna have to find another starting gold uh goal uh goaltender but um up and down their lineup i mean yeah jake sanderson will be a big loss but again north dakota just reloads they they don't rebuild and they're gonna have that coming this year again especially offensively why don't we close the main portion of the show with that uh nchc coach of the year uh, obviously like you mentioned brad Berry having a great season at the university of north dakota i think my two other bets uh would probably be uh mr david carl, carl david carl out in uh denver uh and maybe pat Fershweiler. Uh, first Weiler, yep. Out in Western Michigan would probably be my my three shots. Would you concur with those? And I would. Uh, would you still pick pick Bradbury in this situation? Oh boy, yeah. Only because I I think for Brad, when we looked at the rosters, right, um, there was a lot of new blood, a lot of. I mean, yeah, the talent was there, but you still have to get him coached and get him assimilated to a system to play the game that they want to play. Um, Western Michigan and. Um, for Denver, a lot of returning players. So it's not that it's harder per se or easier for them because you have to take a team and elevate it still, right? Denver's a great example of that, a team that almost underperformed last year, but now we're playing the, to the level we thought they would have at least closer to last year. Um, Western Michigan, again, a lot of this, the similar roster. So I think I still would take Brad Berry. I think he did the better job of getting younger players involved into the system. A lot of great freshmen that played heavy minutes for him and they didn't look out of place. That's solely on coaching um, to be able to take a, a young, fresh, talented, you know, hockey player and be able to get them into a system that works for the team. That's all coaching and not talent from the, from the kid. Yeah. I really like the season that Pat Fershweiler had at Western, obviously a lot of, a little bit of background noise related to that as well, too. If you know what we mean, uh, related to the Michigan situation among other things, uh, if you know, you know, right. um, uh, but other than that, I thought he had a great season. I, I really liked the way that David Carl uh, coached this Denver team uh, coming into this season. Uh, and one of the things is I think he works really well with his coaching staff. I think sometimes you have the the persona that your coaching staff, uh, you know, is kind of helmed by a head coach and the assistant coaches are kind of uh, accessory pieces to that. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that with Denver. It feels like all coaches are very actively involved in the way that they're uh, engaged on the bench. So I really like the season that Denver has had. And obviously uh, out of all the teams we mentioned, uh, only one of them <laughs> is still playing hockey. And that is the Denver pioneers. But speaking of playing hockey and teams playing, we're going to head on over to our extra ice session. We're going to talk about the Minnesota wild Alex Goligoski trade latest trends, looking ahead to the final road uh, to the end of the regular season. And Hey, will the wild make the playoffs and if they do how will those playoffs shake out and welcome into the extra ice session here on the huskies warming house podcast episode 106 nick maxson alongside myself noah grant nick minnesota wild time here national hockey league uh before we get uh on to kind of what is the latest in, as far as the minnesota wild schedule Let's talk about the one transaction they did have this week, uh, and that was Alex Lagashki's extension, two years, $4 million, $2 million annually, 36 years of age, 28 points on the season, uh, two goals, 26 assists. Uh, kind of averaged about 19 uh, minutes a night, uh, as kind of dwindled as of late. Maybe they see him probably as a third-pairing guy moving forward uh, underneath sheltered minutes, but was this signing, especially with the limited cast base and the Kevin Fiala situation, was it surprising to you, or do you kind of see what Bill Guerin's trying to do here? It's not surprising at all if you actually break down what Bill Guerin has to do, honestly. Yeah. Um, so what he's doing here, and, and really, I don't think a lot of people have as much problem with the contract if he didn't come with a full new move clause. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of people are like, no move clause. Well, think of it this way. 
there was so when I when I said last week or gosh days ago that I didn't see Golagoski back, there were a lot of actually signs pointing towards that um, that Golagoski felt like he would get as much money in the open on the open market for a single year deal. Effectively, he just got that spread over two years. He got his four million yeah. full full no move clause. Um, so I think the team made out with keeping their cap hit low. And also Galagasi got his essentially four million bucks. He and he, he got what would be his final final his final payday. final payday, you right? Know, so he wants he wants to probably his career slowly declining, slowly declining. And I, uh, I'm not sold on the third pairing thing. I'm not. And and uh, here's and here's why I say that. Despite his defensive numbers, right, which which haven't been fantastic, I think it's more of they're trying to get him rested for a playoff run. Yeah. I think so. I, I mean, I, I could I could see him as a guy that you know pairs well with Jonas Brodin. The only thing is, do you, do you believe that no. Jared, Jared Spurgeon is someone who can roll with Matt Dumba at that particular moment? Jake I, Middleton yeah. complicates things too, obviously, in that situation as well too. But yep. you know, one of the things with Alex Golagoski too, you know, you mentioned the no move clause. Thirty six years of age, last for sure, big contract in the NHL, probably has a chance to end his career in Minnesota and kind of you know go by the wayside at 38, 39. We'll see when we get to that point. I mean, fans might not like to hear this. I get it. The NHL is a business. You want to be a little bit ruthless. Golly Goose has earned it, man. He's earned that contract through his National Hockey League career. He's earned it in the sense that, you know what? He's paid his dues. He's played in the show for a long time. You know what? He, he kind of wants to be in Minnesota. He wants to stay in Minnesota, feel like he has a little bit of security as he kind of rides off into the sunset. Now, does that make it right for Bill Guerin to just throw a no move clause on that sucker. You can argue that either way, but I think Billy G is a man who you could characterize as a player's GM and understands what it's like to be in that position at the end of your career and kind of want to have that security. I'm not totally uncomfortable with it, to be honest, because it is a contract because it is a contract that if worse comes to worse, you buy him out, you bury him in the press box, or you can get him to wave a no move clause. You can still exactly. wave it. Um, yeah. So here's here's the other thing that people forget: when you sign a contract, there's got to be mutual interest in both the squad yeah. and the player. So, and again, why did this happen? Right? Why? It's more than Goligoski, right? We every Minnesota Wild fan knows that next year the the cap penalty is from, great, Amazing. is 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 wonderful, right? And you're not getting help from the um, from the salary cap, $1 million extra. But think about that. That's half of his salary. That's yeah. half of his salary. So to a and team. The, and that might, sorry, that just might've been the conversation. They might've said, you know what? We want to give you a million a year, but with the extra space, it kind of enticed him to, to stay. I don't know. I, you know? I don't, I don't know if it was like that, but uh, I think it more has to do with, okay, if we can control roster spots, right? If we can get as many people under contract as possible, no, where we stand money wise, this is setting up to what they're going to do with Kevin Fiala and or Matt Dumba. That's exactly yeah. where this is heading. It gives Bill Gehring less pieces to have to worry about. Because remember last offseason, it was what Greenway. It was a few other pieces out there that they had to sign. Um, so it just it made things a lot more to juggle, right? Where now it's like, okay, I have to focus on on you know what do you do with Middleton? What do you do with Essentially, two big pieces are, you know, again, I mentioned before, uh, 22 and 20 and uh, 24. So what that does now is it, it, it makes the situation a little bit more focused. And, you know, depending on what these conversations, you know, after whatever the season happens, uh, now you can kind of decide what you have moving forward. What it tells me is when you sign a defenseman like that, someone's yeah. expendable. Yeah. So here's my question. You got three bodies left that we all have our eyes on, right? The RFAs, Jake Middleton, Kevin Fiala, UFA, and Marc-Andre Fleury. You're Bill Garrett. Yep. You get to keep two out of three. What do you do? If you're lucky. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, that, that was the it, most Minnesota answer. I know. Oh, oh boy. boy. <laughs> so here's, 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 here's when having a good team has problems of a good team, right? Where you have, you want all three, but you can't. Um, I'm not sure as much on Flurry as I am on the other two, just in terms of his age. And I mean, hell, let's 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 go best case scenario. If if the Wild win a cup, who the hell cares, right? So, yeah. um, and that might mean like Flurry goes, okay, I've got my what fourth cup now, third, fourth, 
fourth because he won. Yeah, no, he won one in 2009, was nine, it? Yeah, yeah. Nine, and nine, then 16 and 17. He nine, might, 16, 17, he, right? Could you see him simply saying, you know what? I'll take league minimum. I'll take a million dollars. Or do you say, you know what? I'm done. I've I have won four cups, right? It's so yeah. I think the, the two names that I'm worried about are Dumba and Fiala. So do you have a replacement for Dumba who does exactly what he does? Not necessarily. I, I know people look at Kalen Addison. Addison He's not the same player. <laughs> and when it comes to playoff time, you need the size, a little bit of grit, and Kalen just isn't built like that, right? And I'm sorry, but Dumba's got a better shot. He doesn't yeah. use it as much as I'd like him to, but that's more of a systematic thing. Well, I digress. But then you got Kevin Fiala, right? Who, um, I'm sorry to say this, it might be a hot take. I don't think he's looked as great lately. Um, number yeah. one, he's he kind of, you can see, he's trying to do a lot right now. He turns the puck over at very inopportune times. Um, but when he's on his game and he can be a game breaker, he is the high risk, holy hell, high reward type player. Well, the, I mean, funny th- the funny thing is, Nick, you said it feels like he's trying to do to trying to do a lot. Well, lucky for you, he's still been able to do a lot production wise, you know, he and- has been, and that's the risk with him is if he's like the first, what, 20 games of the season, he wasn't doing a hell of a lot. So, um, so random question, just because yeah. uh, pique my curiosity. Do you ever see a scenario in which Kevin Fiala is actually willing to take a hometown discount because he likes playing with Matt Boldy? He likes the makeup of this nope. team. You don't see it happening? No, not after the negotiations that transpired last year. They were far away on numbers. And the Wild got a pretty favorable arbitration, uh, I think, ruling. And as a player, you know, with his production this year, he's going to have a a lot more leverage at the table. And if you get to arbitration, which it's not going to happen, but the Wild Brass know this you do not have the same type of advantage going into this offseason with Fiala as he does. He has more of the cards in his deck than the, the minus the wild do you, grass does. Do you think Bill Guerin regrets not taking a stab at a price point that maybe seemed a little high after last year, but maybe would seem more value within value? No, because again, flexibility this year um, to be able to make some of the trades that he made. Sure. Um, and also too, like this often kind of gets missed, but Again, with Fiala, you, you see when he puts in the work and you see when it does, is part of that also to kind of put a spark on him a little bit? Yeah, potentially. You know, is, is, you know, is there a little bit of that too? Don't tell me it isn't. You know what blows my mind? Um, the Minnesota Wild, like we said, about $8 million in cap space heading into next season projected, keyword, right? Keyword about. <laughs> that is with the $15 million or whatever you want to call it. In 12, cap, isn't it? 12 should yeah, be next year. Whatever it is of cap hell. This Minnesota Wild team is one of a top 10 team in the National Hockey League with all of that. You know what I mean? Like yep. that's, a, all of that. that's pretty impressive to be to be considered. Now, we're focused on this season. Uh we're at 65 games played for the Minnesota Wild about to be 66 by the time this recording comes out heading down to the regular season. So Nick, Minnesota Wild, what are some numbers that uh, might be imperative for them to hit or miss the playoffs? What do they need to do to clinch their spot uh, as far as the Central Division, wild card, whatever it may be? I think you have to get at least to 100 points to to be in the top three. Um, I do feel like because you have uh, the Wild at 84 in second place right behind Colorado, that actually might be an outdated number. I like the way you say that right behind Colorado. Colorado's it, only. It's only, yeah. <laughs> um, and St. Louis again, uh, trailing uh, just behind, and then obviously Nashville. So I think I still think 100 points is where you have to get to in order to be um, in the top three, not a wild card spot. Because, well, if you don't want to face either Colorado or uh, who is the other uh, – oh, Calgary. Yeah. Calgary, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. You don't want any of those in your first round. Absolutely so, not. So if you're if you're the Minnesota Wild, what are do you kind of have a number that you're maybe trying to avoid here? You know, some something that might spell disaster as you kind of you know go through your last. Uh, what, what is what is what is eighty two minus sixty six? Sixteen. Uh, that would be yeah, sixteen games. Yeah. Okay. I think I think you have to at least go ten and six. Um, you know, honestly, yeah. um. Again, because I, I think for if the Wild really want to make a statement, they need to stay in that second second spot. Because um, yeah. you get you get home ice. Um, now I could say this, and I'll be for nothing because St. Louis right now their current if the playoffs started today would be their current first round matchup. That's their kryptonite um, yeah. in terms of I think the worst 
stylistic matchup they could face. I'd rather have Nashville creep up yeah. and they're not that far behind. They're two points away. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, but- Minnesota struggled against Calgary. Actually, this might be the year though. a la 2014 where Minnesota might somewhat like the matchup against Colorado. They've really had the abs number in the regular season, but I wouldn't want to mess around with that lineup. Oh, I'm sorry. A different animal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's and, and it. Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you, here's what you do. And this is going to trigger a lot of Colorado fans and I don't care. Um, <laughs> you Colorado has their first round matchup. Nazem Kadri gets pissed off and then he needs somebody in the face and he gets suspended. <laughs> then you face him in the second round. Uh, Nazem Kadri, because what a season he's had point wise. Holy yeah. heck in a hockey stick. Where's um, Matt Cook when you need him? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Actually, not that far away, which is the most hilarious thing. He's yeah, he, here in Minnesota. <laughs> I was gonna say he might not be far away, but his knee's probably super close. Uh, yeah, probably. So, <laughs> um, but no, like I, I still think you you want to have a home uh, a home ice series. You take care of business against either St. Louis or Nashville. Go into a feeling high. Win a playoff round for what since what twenty fifteen? Last time they got in the second round. No, fourteen. Was it still fourteen? I thought. Yeah, same year. That was Stanchion Gate, too. Yeah, I know that was Stanchion Gate, and that was uh, second round. That was Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, that was Chicago. Yep. Holy hell. I was saying, um, I was saying how do you not have that one seared in your memory? I, I am. Yeah, I was just going through the motions there. Um, I also have I also have an image of Danny Heatley screening for a 1T at the bottom of the circle there at the goal line on the far board. No, that, was, that, okay. was, that was Kevin Fiala last week. That was also, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> 50 and... 15 to two. I don't know. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, but no, like it's so go 10 and six. Uh, ideally, I think you want to be 12 and four. Yeah. Does that even makes? Does that even add up? Yeah. 12 and four. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, well, here, I, well I, here's, here's the plan, Nick. The wild go 16 and 0, and then they just do it again. So they practice, uh, they go 16 and 0, and then, then just do it again. That, uh, yeah, the LA Kings weren't even that good when they went on their run 2012. So, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not buying that. So, so like it's like you had mentioned. So, uh, for those who are wondering, the Eastern Conference is basically locked up. I, uh, um, effectively, yeah, yeah, there's no chance, I don't think, for the Islanders to catch. So, let's recap no the East just so people know on the other side. Uh, Florida is currently, uh, leading the pack, uh, in the Atlantic, by, yeah, followed by Tampa Bay and Toronto, one, two, three, there. Uh, in the Met, uh, Carolina at 98 points. Uh, followed by the Rangers and Pittsburgh, and then Boston and Washington kind of pulling up the rear. Boston and Washington have some work to do to try to get an either wild card, or excuse me, uh, conference spot for them. Um, can, 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 we, can we just make sure we don't forget this number? So Washington, meaning the second wild card at 84 points, the Islanders, they are the third team at in 71. the wild. They're at seven. There's a 13-point gap. There's just no way. Yeah. There's just um, no way. They'd have to be a monumental collapse. Now the West. Very wide open here. So uh, yep. starting with the Pacific, Calgary at 89, LA at 84, Edmonton at 83. Vegas is in the second wild card spot from the Pacific at 80. In the Central, the Avs running away with this one, 104 points yep. for them. Minnesota in second at 87, St. Louis at 84, and Nashville in the first wild card spot at 82. Below Vegas in that second wild card spot, Dallas is at 79 with four, four games, games in, in hand, hand. on cow. Vegas. Uh, Vegas is in kind of a little bit of trouble here. Uh, I then, You talk about a team that probably has to win 12 of their last. Uh, uh, wow. They actually would have to win 12 games in a row because yeah. that would be 82. They've already played 70 games, uh, yeah. 10 of 12 probably. Yep. The Honestly. only the only other team that really has a crack at it is Winnipeg. 69 games played, 76 points for them. They they're kind of a long shot, but they're still in the convo. After that, same number of games played for Vancouver at 73. I think they're out. I think that's too much of a hill to climb for them. So Nick, if you had to predict today what you think uh the matchups in the West are going to be, who gets who? in the playoffs do the minnesota wild make the playoffs and if so where do they end up uh they're in for sure um colorado again they they're locking up the central i pacific wise uh hmm i'm not as sold on calgary maintaining that number one spot um however they've also played three less games in la also two less games in edmonton edmonton is uh, kind of righted the ship here a little bit. How about the, the fact that the LA Kings are in a playoff spot? Like what a That's, turnaround I it know. has been for them. It's a great job by Rob Blake um, down there in, in Los Angeles. That's because um, they signed David Rennick. Duh. Exactly. Duh. <laughs> um, but I'll take that back. No, Calgary takes the, the Pacific. Yeah. Um, here's what I think will happen though. I still think, um, 
I think Nashville could climb and eventually eclipse St. Louis and get into that third spot. I think Minnesota stays in the second spot in the central. I think Edmonton would eventually eclipse Los Angeles. Um, those two will just swap. And this is going to be an unpopular take, but I think Dallas is going to overtake Vegas in the final cup. I just think there's just, I don't think that that's unpopular. And it's, if you're a Dallas Stars fan, you better be thanking your lucky stars that yeah. in this situation because their season has been a tumultuous ride, to say the least. It's been, a, for literally the lack of a better word, a roller coaster um, yeah. for you know the ups and downs of that. But have, I think the math is going to help them. Now, with that being said, what Dallas is probably going to do is somehow like lose five straight um, to get back to the same amount of games played and, yeah. and completely you know throw their chances. And Vegas is going to go on an unbelievable win streak, and they'll somehow win the Western Conference. Um, that's just how these things go in hockey. But yeah, no, Dallas is in a prime position um, to to get back in the in the mix. And uh, the one caveat to that, Noah, is that Vegas is starting to get healthy. Um, that's been sort of their part of their troubles this year. Again, having Jack Eichel will help, but then they're going to have some cat penalties to work with um, until the playoffs. And then everybody's going to come back because LTIR um, (laughs) and no, and no cap, uh, no cap ceiling again in the playoffs. So no, um, no, no cap bro. As they say, no. So as long as they can circumvent, excuse me, manage the cap all the way through the end of their (laughs) last 12 games, they'll be, they'll be okay. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I, I I am all about Dallas uh, making that jump. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if Dallas actually jumps into the first wild card spot. That's the only change oh. that I'm going to make on yours. I think that Minnesota does also get Nashville. I agree with you. Um, St. Louis has been has been playing uh, well as of late in terms of goal differential, but um, I don't know uh, with the recent developments for them. It's kind of been an interesting ride. So I believe. Yes, man. I believe that St. Louis actually drops to the second wild card spot. They get Colorado in the first round. Uh, Nashville would be a very good thing for Minnesota because that they would beat the hell out of each other in that yes, first round. Would. Nashville will uh, not play host. They will visit Minnesota in that matchup. Calgary uh, will actually have the matchup against the Dallas Stars, and Edmonton uh, will host the LA Kings. I'm, I'm all with you on that one. I'm curious to see in about two and a half weeks how freaking wrong we are at that. Um, <laughs> very wrong, but, you know, I don't know. that. There's nothing. Okay, so yes, the Stanley Cup final, but to me, I think the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is the best round to watch because of all the yep. the great matchups, the different schemes, uh, and it's hockey that starts at what four o'clock and goes all the way through midnight and the overtimes. Um, there's so many memorable moments that happen in the first round. Um, honestly, there's you know, yeah, there's a couple of things here and there that happen in the later rounds, but to me, honestly, the more drama happens in the first round. Um, so I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it will begin. Was it May 5th? I think is one of the first rounds. It, it's it's because the end of the regular season, I believe April 30th. Yeah. Which is, which is much later than what it used to be. It's there's still, it's part of that, you know, shifting COVID. it yeah. back from COVID and it, it's, it's a, it's, it's really not even a month because the normal regular season would end mid April. So it's yeah. only about two weeks behind. So, so as you had kind of, as you kind of mentioned, uh, so actually, one, two, three, four, exactly four weeks from today of recording will be one day after the last game of the regular season for the Minnesota Wild, which is the Colorado Avalanche. So uh, the Wild are currently on a four-game road swing starting tonight. Like we mentioned, Carolina, Washington tomorrow slash today when you're listening, whenever it is, against Washington, Nashville the following Tuesday, St. Louis the following Friday before coming home for a pair of games against L.A. and Edmonton. Um but yeah, the Minnesota Wild, uh, 16 games left for them. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight home games, eight road games, and exactly even split if you count tonight's game against Carolina. Uh, other kind of things to kind of take note of, by the way, uh, the college hockey world, the Frozen Four, the first game, uh, the first matchup uh, is going to be the early game. That's going to be Michigan and Denver. That's going to be on Thursday, April 7th. So if you're getting a chance to kind of check that out, um, as I can pull it up well, here. It's going to that... be tougher because they moved it from ESPN2 to ESPNU. Yeah, ridiculous, man. Uh, so Denver Denver uh, will uh, be the road team against Michigan at 4 o'clock um, Central Time. And then Minnesota State uh, will host Minnesota at the 7.30 time on uh, Thursday, April 7th. Friday, April 8th is the Hobie Baker and Mike Richter selection announcements for the winner. And then Saturday, April 9th, 7 o'clock Central Time is the NCAA National Championship game for the winners. For those who are kind of curious. 
as far as the Huskies Warming House podcast is concerned, we are going to keep you updated on what it means for our show, when our recording time is, when the show will be out. It will be out, I would think, probably Tuesday at the latest. Um, you know, so we'll, ha- we'll we'll obviously keep listeners updated as well. Nick, was there anything that you felt like you wanted to talk about? I thought for a show that really had a lot of meat and potatoes to it, it actually went very quick. It kind of did. Um uh, just to echo what you did, um, obviously now five weeks until graduation, that's insane. Yeah. Um, but it, it's full now with the Husky season officially over with now. It's been uh, just over a week now, uh, you know, counting recording times here. It, it's full on job search. Um, so, you know, as uh, the Huskies, you know, Warming House fans do, um, I know, understand and appreciate, um, you know, that might take uh, s- sort of the schedule off a little bit in terms of not being as consistent. Um, there are definitely some irons in the fire. I'll put it that way. Um, and, uh, with that, you know, that will take, uh, travel priority over a lot of things. Um, you know, excited about some of the things that are cooking. Um, again, there's still, it's still very early to stages. So, um, but obviously keep everybody up to date on if there are any developments that come from that front as well. Yeah. NHL season for me winding down here, uh, a couple of games left the St. Cloud Norsemen come to town, followed by, uh, the Bismarck Bobcats and the regular season for the Minotauros, then playoffs start. Actually, speaking of St. Cloud, uh, uh, Norseman Captain Blake Mesenberg committing to Miami, Ohio, former Benilde St. Margaret forward That's as well. Interesting. So, so, yeah, he uh, he's had a heck of a season in the NHL. The St. Cloud Norsemen are a very good team. Uh, On the Central. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Very, very good team kind of running away with that. So, um, obviously... Uh, if you get a chance, uh, as we kind of alluded to her before, and kind of the work that she does, Sid Wolf doing a great job in kind of those echelons in the hockey realm, uh, keeping everybody up to date. So if you get a chance for college hockey for that spreadsheet, as well as uh, those other realms, I would definitely uh, encourage you to check other things out as well. So um, I think that will do it. Uh, very short episode number 106. Uh, for Nick Max and I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon for episode 107. <laughs>